Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. Uh, so Christmas is amazing. We've called the theme Welcome Home. And uh, it, it's so appropriate because so many people say to us when they come into our church, it feels like home. And that is uh, what it's meant to be because society is uh, not a safe place for diversity or acceptance anymore. Uh, you think it is because the buzzword is diversity, but if you're not fitting the mold, a particular mold, then you are, you're not accepted. Uh, so it's becoming less safe in society in the terms of expression of diversity and approval uh, and acceptance, but not here. We accept diversity and we accept people, same, same thing, but we accept people, all people, <laughs> as diverse as they come. I mean, if, if we let Sipka Bontaku in, then we would let anybody into this building. So, um, unbelievable. So I want to talk to you today uh, about a topic I'm calling the search for peace. The search for peace. Christmas is coming. And, um, uh, and I want to, in doing this, address something I see that makes society uh, a less safe place to be in. Um, and I'll, I'll get on to that uh, in just a minute. But uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Luke 2 verse 10. And we're going to read again from the story of the shepherds, which I started two weeks ago. And we'll continue this. This is like part B. And Lisby filled the sandwich in the middle last week with the myth of happiness. How good was that? Yeah. Give Pastor Lisby a hand. <clears throat> so he says here, but the angel said to them. Now, the, the, the context here is the shepherds are in the fields very close to where Jesus was born, and, uh, and then the angels appear to them, which is why the angel then said, do not be afraid. How many of you would need that said to them if an angel appeared in front of you? Okay, we identify. If an angel appeared in front of you, you'd probably need them to say, it's all right, it's okay, nothing to be afraid of, calm. That's what they said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. We bring, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So next week at our carol service, I'm going to be preaching about unsearchable joy. You're going to want to bring friends and family to that. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom favor rests. Peace on earth. That was the message of Christmas. What does everyone want? World peace. That is the search on everyone's heart. That is the proclamation of every beauty queen. World peace is what we all desire. And yet that was the very thing Jesus was, uh, uh, the angels were proclaiming in connection with the birth of Jesus. Peace on earth. But the one thing I notice robs people of peace more than anything else is offense. And so actually what I want to talk to you today about 
is this topic of offense. Uh, but let me take you back several years to an experience I had uh, when I was visiting the border of Israel and Lebanon. Uh, I did a trip there. It's called No Man's Land. It's a margin of peace between Israel and Lebanon, um, two countries that were at war with each other. And so there needed to be a margin of peace. And this margin was being, uh, had soldiers on it from the UN. They're called the Peace Keepers. So it's the peacekeeping soldiers. And uh, as a friend and I drove up to the border, we got out to talk with them and, and just be friendly. And they were very friendly back. They uh, were obviously didn't have a lot else to do. And so they quite welcomed us. And we got to know them a bit. And, uh, and then we thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing if we could have a photo not just taken with them, but with their gun hanging around our necks instead? Now, I don't know much about guns. They just come small and big. As far as I'm concerned, this was a big one. And, it, and so I put it around my neck while my friend took a photo of me. And then I had this amazing idea. I, I, I thought, well, what is one better than this? Uh, and, and my thought was, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a photo of me pointing the gun at one of the soldiers? Uh, so <clears throat> these furry, friendly men who, who, like all of us, love peace, and uh, suddenly as I turned toward them with the gun, all friendliness left them immediately, and the gun was snatched off me. And that was the end of our friendly um, interaction that day. The point being this, we love peace. Peace is really important, but how far will we go to defend it when it's threatened? Offense is the one thing that seems to rob so many people of peace. We have a very oversensitive society right now. It's almost like you cannot say anything about any person or category of person because you're going to offend someone. The liberty of free speech is being taken from us uh, bit by bit, and, and, and we're training our children to be oversensitive. So we, what we do is we have uh, uh, like a singing competition in the class and ask all the children to sing, and there will be a prize for the best singer. And so all the children, they, they do their very best. They, they give their very best. They, they sing their very best. And then it gets to the end, and the teacher goes, well, you've all done so well. You're all winners. You can all have a prize. What are we doing? We're teaching them to be overly sensitive. So what happens now? As we've trained our children to be oversensitive, what happens now is um, that child grows up, they're in a performance review at work, and they get a poor performance review, and they go, I'm offended. That's not fair. I I'm offended. You make a comment about how they look or their gender, or I'm offended. I'm offended. And sometimes uh, they are justified in their emotion. But still, we talk about taking offense. Offense is never given. Offense is always taken. We're given an opportunity to be offended. But we don't have to take the opportunity. Instead of bubble wrapping people in what we call political correctness, we need to bubble wrap people in the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to help us become the robust people I know we are. I want to reaffirm the strength that is in you, 
We don't have to walk around life being offended at everything that's said and done because we are the people of God who carry peace on earth to all people. I almost said mankind, but I would have offended someone. We are the people who carry peace to all humankind and all others included. And if I've excluded anyone, I apologize in advance. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Lisby was in Sydney, and she, uh, as, she, as she was away, I thought I would surprise her with, uh, with something. I, I decided what I'd do is create a new light system in our living room, and I was really excited about this. I went online, and I ordered all the parts, and, uh, and then that arrived while she was away, and I, I designed it, and I created it myself. Now, like every DIY project of mine, uh, there was a very difficult moment. It took several hours to solve a very complicated, well, to some, a very simple problem, but I'm claiming today it was obviously very complicated. Anybody with me? Every DIY project seems to have a little complication in it somewhere. It's meant to take three hours, but you know it'll always take at least six. Uh, just double your time, budget time, for any DIY project is my technique now. Uh, and then I pick her up from the airport, bring her home. She's jet lagged, so uh, she walks into the room and I show off this new... I was so excited. I, I, I couldn't tell you how excited I was as I switch on the light. And uh, she's also excited. She goes, oh, it's wonderful. I can't believe you did this for me. Until, um, until the next day. And uh, uh, jet lag's starting to wear off and she comes downstairs. She looks at it again and she says, Steve... Um, I'm not sure I like it. Now, um, there's two ways I could go on that, obviously, um, as she serves up this meal of opportunity to be offended to me. It's like, here's an opportunity to be offended. And I felt it rising. I've got to be honest with you. I felt something rising. The opportunity of offense began to rise on the inside. Uh, thank you, Short. I feel very confident. Uh, but I've learned to recognize it, so I quickly pushed it back down again, pretty much, <laughs> as I negotiated with her. And now we both love it. It's all good. End of story. But, um, you know, you're in, the, <coughs> you're in the post office. You're in the post office, and, and it's a really busy day, and you've been standing in a queue for 10 minutes, and, uh, and you're getting a bit agitated, a bit frustrated, and then someone walks in, and they come in, the cut into the queue. I know. It's usually me. <laughs> no, uh, uh, and someone cuts into the queue, and, 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 you, and you get mad on the inside. You're, you're expecting a member of the staff to, to berate them, to tell them off. And you get back, get back. And no one does anything. Now you get even, even more madder. You're expecting the person in front of them or behind them to tell them off. No one says anything. Um, we're being bubble wrapped in political. Cr anyway, enough of that. No one said. You're getting even madder. You're getting really hot now. You're in your mind, you're beginning to write a letter to the company, thinking about how you could slander them. You're yeah, a terrible company. Your customer service is awful. And you get to the end of the letter, and the, the queue is still there, and you're still it's still eating you up on the inside. Now you're getting these you, these sort of mental daggers, like your tongue is like a sword. You're ready to cut them down yourself. What I'll say to them is this, this, and this 
And, and you're, anybody ever had this experience where your imagination just like, and then suddenly you have to pull yourself back? Let me just read you this. Um, the story goes of a person on a Facebook rant condemning a cookie delivery company because they gave her an extra cookie and wrote a note saying, thought you would appreciate an extra cookie. However, she wasn't too happy. She went on talking about the fact that she had body issues and this company should send her a written apology because they were calling her fat. The company responded and offered her a free box of six of her favorite cookies. And she accepted. <laughs> I mean, I mean what, what's going on? <laughs> we're getting offended at everything. The reason, and we all know what it feels like. We've, we know what the pain feels like. We know what the disappointment feels like. But we also know what it leads to. It leads to a dislocation. It leads to a dislocation in our relationships. And it leads to a dislocation in our relationship with God. Some of us are offended toward God because... Maybe he's interrupted a plan of ours. Or maybe he's, uh, as he did with me last night, talked to me about giving a certain amount of money and he didn't understand that I already had a budget. And we get offended at something he says. There are three reasons why we get offended. Uh, one is that our plan gets interrupted. And we're precious about our plan. We're precious about how our life works out. We're precious about the certain things that should happen, the type of house that we have, the type of income we should have, the type of holidays we should have, the type of person we should marry. We get, our plan is so precious to us, as soon as it gets interrupted by something and doesn't quite work out, we realize the myth of happiness. Last week's message. But we get offended. The second reason we get offended is because we're looking for our acceptance from other people. You see, when you find your acceptance from others, the moment they don't behave toward you in the way you're expecting, they are no longer able to reaffirm your need for acceptance. You're offended. The other reason we get offended is because our identity is based in something other than Christ, an external factor, a sociological trend or a, a group norm. And because our identity is based in my rights, Therefore, as soon as my rights are violated or as, as soon as uh, the, someone speaks about that social trend or norm, now I'm offended. And so that is why we hear so frequently those words, I am offended, because we, all of us, on a frequent basis, have an opportunity for all of those things to affect us. So I want to share with you two things that will help us stay soft in heart as friendly as those soldiers on that border, until it matters, until our peace is under attack, and then we know how to develop a thick skin and get tough to protect the precious peace in our hearts. We need those two factors. We need our hearts to be as soft as a baby and our skin as thick as an elephant's. First thing, we have to learn to forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer, and he says this, Lord, forgive me my sin, just as I forgive all those who sin against me. There comes a point where those who have a debt toward me because of something they've done, I, I, I tear up that I owe you. Yes, you owe me something. You owe me an apology. You owe me a different behavior. You, you owe me something, but... 
whether you apologize or not, I'm choosing right now to say, I forgive you. I tear up the debt that I think you have toward me. It no longer exists. The second thing, though, we have to do is not just forgive. We have to let go. Isaiah 42 says this. He says, do not dwell on the past. Do not think about what is behind. We, it comes a point, I don't know about you, where one, when you say, I forgive that person, about three minutes later, you're thinking about it all over again. You forgive that person who's cut in on the queue until you see their face as they turn around and walk out of the, of the store and, and, and it all comes up again. You know, it, it's like it reoccurs. And so the ability for us to strengthen our mind to go, I will not dwell on the past. Or the ability to say, well, I'm going to forgive again. Some of us will have to say, I forgive you a number of times. I forgive them. I forgive them. I for you may have to do it a number of times before you find complete freedom. But until we do it, it's like we hold them in a cage in our hearts or in our minds. We hold that person there, ready to bring out at any moment and throw accusations at them in our minds, in our thinking, to think dark thoughts toward them. And then we lock them back up in our hearts again for a future moment where we can satisfy our sense of justice to bring them out and begin to beat them up all over again. And so it's so important that we don't just forgive but that we can unlock that cage door and let it go and say, I will not dwell on the past. I will not remember the things. So too many of us are forgetting the things we're meant to remember and remembering the things we're meant to forget. We need to learn to forget the things that are going to do us harm. And the moment you forgive, you, what you do is you release that person from a vibe of rejection that you're pushing their way every time you see them. You're setting them free. But most importantly... I say most importantly because, because you only have control over you, not over them. Most importantly, you're setting yourself free from the poison that eats you up on the inside. We need to learn to forgive and forget. The second thing is this, is we need to see our world through a different filter. The first one's all very well once you've been offended. You don't have to forgive and forget until you've taken offense. But wouldn't it be amazing if we learned ways to toughen up on the outside so that we didn't get offended as frequently? And we do that by changing the filter that we see life through. Mary is a brilliant example of this. Mary is planning her wedding. You can read it, I think, in Luke 1. I'm going to tell it in the SWV version, the Steve Warren version. Mary is, Mary is sitting in her bedroom and she has got a huge smile on her face as she glances over at her wedding dress hanging in the corner of the room as she thinks about her honeymoon destination that they managed to book earlier in the year when the sales were on. She's got a smile on her face as she thinks about the Joseph, the guy that she's engaged to, and think, my goodness, I managed to win the hunk of the town. Little does she know that Joseph was thinking the same about this beautiful good, righteous Jewish girl, she was the catch of the town too. And he's thinking, I've got her. And he's, he's pretty satisfied. He's got his speech written out already. He's just perfecting the jokes, getting it all right, but he's nearly there. Guys, the wedding is just about to happen. Then the angel of the Lord appears, interrupting Mary's dream and her perfect plan and says, Behold, Mary, I've got a plan for you. You're going to be with child. He will come before your wedding day 
and Joseph will have nothing to do with it. Mary goes, what? Or, what? <laughs> the angel goes, you will, you will have a child. His name will be Jesus. He will be the savior of the world. She goes, you're kidding me. Her mind goes to soup as she begins to think of about a thousand different scenarios. She's, she's going, I can't walk down the aisle, pregnant. What if we put off the wedding day? Well, what if I can't fit into my wedding dress after I've given birth? These, these are quite important crisis moments, obviously. And all these thoughts go through it. What will Joseph think? What are my parents going to say? What are the synagogue going to do? All of these thoughts are flooding Mary's mind as God has very inconveniently stepped into her perfect world and her perfect plan and, and is interrupting the whole schedule of her future. And yet Mary says these words. She says, Lord, as it is your will, may it be to me. The first filter that we need to see our lives through is the filter of humility. You see, when you're humble, you cannot have... Uh, pride residing in your heart at the same time. You see, when offense is living in your heart, peace can't live there. When offense is living in your heart, you have no energy left to, 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 to create the future. And, and yet, <clears throat> we, so many of us have pride living in our hearts, which is probably the most offend, offendable quality you can have. A proud person is real easy to offend. Uh, you can offend a proud person within two minutes of a conversation. But a humble person, very hard to offend. As we, as we surrender our plans to the Lord and say, God, you know, I would love to have this and this and this and this happen in my life. But may your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Lisbon and I have learned that our plans rarely work out as we have envisioned it. Because God will always want the upper hand to do a little steering from time to time. And usually it goes just gently like this, generally in the direction you're expecting. But occasionally, and for probably most of us, two or three times in our lives, it'll be like, smash a wall, now we're heading this way. <laughs> because God has another plan for your world. If we stay humble, if we stay surrendered, if we look through the filter of humility, you will be less offendable. The Bible tells us that Mary's sweet nature made her a righteous woman. Righteousness is the other filter we need to look through because righteousness is about our standing before God as right because of what Christ has done. You know, there is a difference between you standing right before God and you standing on your rights. We need to surrender my rights because after all, when Jesus died on the cross, he was the greatest demonstration of surrendering all his rights. He did not deserve to be on that cross. Everything that was done to him broke every human right imaginable. There was nothing equality about that. There was nothing justifiable about that. There was, there was only the, the um, glorification of criminality and brutality about that scenario. And yet he hung there saying, I forgive. He taught us how to die to our rights. He taught us to say, it doesn't matter what people do to me. It doesn't matter what people say to me. I am right. Not I am correct. I, am, I have right standing with God. Who I am is not dependent on what people say. Who I am is birthed in, in Christ. I am a child of God. I am in Christ. 
What others may say does not matter to me. I am righteous. My approval does not come from other things or other people. My approval comes from hearing the Father say, I love you. I approve of you. You are mine and I am yours. That should be enough when we say we're righteous. Another great example that shows us a filter we need to apply other than humility and righteousness, we learn from um, Lazarus, La, uh, 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 Mary and Martha, who had a brother called Lazarus. These three were uh, really close friends of Jesus, probably the closest from what we can read outside of uh, his disciples. And uh, one day uh, Mary calls Jesus saying, look, Lazarus is sick. Can you come and visit us? Uh, we think you can do something if you are here. Anyway, Jesus doesn't go down to Bethany straight away. He, he stays behind and, and, and after a few days decides he will go and visit. But in the meantime, Lazarus dies. And by the time Jesus gets there, not only is he dead, the funeral has happened. It's all over. He's missed the whole thing. And Mary's mad ass. She's like, Jesus, if you were here, this would not have happened. Why didn't you come sooner? Don't you love Lazarus like we love him? She had an opportunity to be offended, and she took it real well. Martha had an opportunity to be offended. Same scenario. And she goes, Jesus... I know on the last day, Lazarus will experience the great resurrection. What was she expressing? She was expressing faith and future purpose. When you live in faith with a sense of destiny, with a sense of purpose, it will toughen you up like humility and righteousness does. It will be a shield for you because no matter how life turns out, no matter what people say, no matter what the circumstances do, no matter whether your boss has unjustifiably, um, unreasonably sacked you or not, you can still stand there declaring, God's purposes will prevail. I have a future that's brighter than yesterday. My future is in the hands of the Father. I can't wait. I'm excited. My future is bright. And tomorrow is a good one. I've got a good Father looking after His purposes for my life. It doesn't matter that I don't have a job right now. It doesn't matter this person said these horrible words to me right now. It doesn't matter that my family home was, was not a great model for me. My future will be different. In God, my future will have purpose in it. It has life in it. It has health in it. It has healing in it. It has increase in it. Faith and purpose will shield you from a certain measure of taking offense over what life does to you. Job. Some of you will know about Job. Job is a character in the Bible. If anyone had an excuse to get offended at God, it would be Job. A wealthy man, family around him. He, he hit a stage in life where he could sit back and enjoy his retirement. And then suddenly... God says, Satan, go and have your way with him. And, uh, and Job uh, loses some of his family to sickness and, and, and um, uh, natural disasters and, and loses all his wealth and, and pretty much lost everything. Like every disaster imaginable hits that family. He's in worship one day. God, you're amazing. God, you're good. His wife comes up to him. Just make this politically correct. It could have been the other way around, of course. But anyway... His wife came up to him and she goes, why are you worshiping? Curse God and die. Opportunity to be offended. Two different reactions. She gets eaten up by it. The offense is destroying her on the inside. How could God do this to me? I am offended. 
What does Job do? God, I don't get this. I don't even like this. But I will continue to worship. Worship, when you begin to filter, see your life through the filter of worship, when you begin to worship, you toughen up on the outside. It, it, it's like it thickens your skin for everything that might happen in life. As you're a worshiper, you begin to see with perspective. Stuff has happened. That person shouldn't have said that. But hey, if you're a worshiper, something in you is seeing a bigger picture. It's not going to knock you back like it would if you hadn't put worship into your life. And finally, in Ephesians 6, Paul says this. He says, put on peace. I'm doing it like a robe, but actually it was his shoes. You know, in that Ephesians 6, he talks about clothing yourself, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, belt of truth. And then he says, put on the shoes of peace. I want to ask you today, are you putting on the shoes of peace or are you putting on offense? Are you, you, are, you, are, you, are you fighting to keep your peace? Or are you f and at the same time fighting against taking offense? Are you like those soldiers that, that were soft and friendly until it really mattered and they would defend peace at all cost? Or are you letting stuff get in? Paul said, put on peace. Now get this. He calls the shoes the gospel of peace. I find this really interesting because if I was to try and define the gospel, I might go to words like freedom, cleansing, forgiveness. They would be the words that would come to mind. But he doesn't say, he doesn't send the angels to say forgiveness on earth. He doesn't send the angels to say freedom on earth. He says peace on earth. The gospel is marked by peace. Why is that? The reason for that is because everyone you meet wants peace. They may not realize yet that they want freedom. In fact, some people feel like they're living just a wonderful life. And that's awesome. You may have neighbors who are just, they, got, they feel free. They're, they're in their best season of life. Everything's great. They not, may not realize they need freedom, but they do want peace. Everyone is looking for peace. So I don't think, therefore, it's any surprise then that the gospel is marked by this quality we call peace. This Christmas, the greatest thing we can do for our friends, our family, is to put offense aside, learn to forgive and let go, become tougher on the outside, become unoffendable, and let's, let's give peace. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Let's raise our kids to be tough. Not bubble wrap them in oversensitivity. Have honest conversations. Don't protect them so much that when real life hits them, they get offended at everything. Help them to know who they are and who they can be in Christ. Strong. Of stature with arrows of offense bouncing off their lives because they know who they are. Can we close our eyes as we draw to a close right here? There's a couple of things I want to do as we, as we end today. In just a moment, what I'm going to do is give an opportunity if you feel like you need to forgive someone.
do that, to forgive and let go. And I, I am so expectant for this Christmas. I, I'm believing that just the lives we live and you're just, you're an incredible church. You really are. I, I, I admire the maturity and strength of, of you. And I, I know already the life of Christ you've lived in front of your family and friends will be an attraction for them to want to come over Christmas. So this is, this is, I'm not saying this to say you've got to be better. I'm saying this because I know it's something we all deal with. We all fight with. And so we'll deal with that in just a minute. But before we do that, it may be you're here today and you've got offended at God. At something. And it's got in the way of your relationship with Him. Maybe your peace with Him is lost. For whatever reason. Or maybe you're here today and for some other reason you've been away from Him and you need to come back to Him. Or, or maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life before. Wouldn't it be amazing if today, right now, you took that opportunity, not to leave it to another time, but to do it right now while it can really make a difference in your life, to leave this place knowing you're at peace with God, knowing that through Jesus you have what you need to be a new creation, to be all that you're called to be, to be forgiven, set free, and know the peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't know that peace until you come in relationship with Jesus. But it's out of this world. So if that's you, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and put it back down again. And then I'm going to say a prayer. Just so I know who I'm praying for. If you've never asked Jesus into your life or you're coming back to him today or something has got in the way, maybe an offense has got in the way with him and you're away from him. Or maybe you just need to be sure you're going to heaven. If that's you, just right where you are, could you raise your hand for me? Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Wonderful. Who else is there? Maybe your heart is pounding and you're going, I don't know, is that for me or not for me? If you're in any doubt, it's definitely for you. Because the wonderful thing when you come back to Christ or meet him for the first time when you really give him your heart again is that he gives you a sense of assurance and confidence so if you're in any doubt today I want you to pray this prayer with us so there may be one more person here who needs to acknowledge their need for Jesus thank you Lord wonderful can we all say this prayer together I'll say a line and you can say a line after me it's like this dear God I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for anybody here, whether they raise. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.